Welcome to the Encounter Grow Witness podcast, our new podcast where every month we provide the Encounter Grow Witness community of ministry professionals with meaningful conversations and practical tips for keeping their work on mission, especially as the Archdiocese of Detroit transitions to families of parishes. Inspired by the Unleash the Gospel pastoral letter, our goal is to equip and evangelize the evangelizers as they work to bring about a missionary transformation in our parishes and in our communities. I'm your host, Father Steve Polis, Director of Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship for the Archdiocese of Detroit. And I'm Beth Spazarni, Director of Evangelization and Faith Formation at the National Shrine of the Little Flower Basilica in Royal Oak. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at egwdetroit.org slash podcast. Well, I am so excited for this new endeavor, for this new work that uh, I get to be a part of. You know, I was very blessed to uh, help host Open Door Policy, our flagship inaugural uh, podcast for the Archdiocese of Detroit. And that was a lot of fun, but uh, I'm excited to do something new and excited that uh, Beth is joining me on this journey. Beth, how are you? I'm doing well. We're going to have a little adventure here. This is going to be fun. And... uh, I think the best way we can start is just to introduce ourselves to this uh, this community of listeners, to the Encounter Grow Witness uh, community in the Archdiocese of Detroit, and people around the globe who are going uh, to be surely. tuning in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, surely, uh, surely. <laughs> Beth, why don't we start with you? Tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and uh, how you got here. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I've been working um, at the Shrine of the Little Flower. Great place to be. I've been working here for, I'm in my second year. Just a great place to be. But um, I'd rather start way back uh, when I really came to know Jesus and kind of start with that. Um, but uh, I, you know, I was raised in the faith um, and it kind of seemed like that thing you do, sort of a background part of my life, but not not alive, not compelling. Uh, I couldn't explain it or defend it to, to others. And I got to high school, I was in a public high school and just being with people who are not of faith really brought up questions for me about what, what, it just wasn't enough anymore to just kind of go through the motions. It just wasn't enough. And so just in prayer, coming to know Christ and being invited to follow him. And it, it was just the way someone just explained the basics of the gospel and let me know that that Christ had a plan for my life that was an adventure, a true adventure, better than anything I could plan myself. Uh, and that just sparked this powerful journey. So, And that was in high school, you said? Yeah, that was in high school. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And so in high school, you said, I want to work at the Shrine of the Little Flower. <laughs> I know it's got a much longer title. I feel like it I have to does. take a, a deep breath before I say the title. But, so what's yeah, the title of the it parish? Does. Yeah, the National Shrine of the Little Flower Basilica. It does. It takes a whole breath. <laughs> <laughs> the way we abbreviate it on paper just to make it fit is tricky. It's true. Uh, well, actually, my call to ministry was really cool, too. I was actually in India serving in Calcutta with the Missionaries of Charity, Mother Teresa's sisters. And I needed a break. And Darjeeling was real close. And that was the city where Mother Teresa received her call within a call. Mm, yeah. So I found a couple of volunteers. I was there by myself, but I found a couple of volunteers who spoke English and I could convince to go with me. So we went up to Darjeeling and we were praying in this chapel with more missionaries of charity before the Blessed Sacrament. 
And we were praying there and I was just thinking like I'd been on this whole journey. Here I am. And my whole journey, the key to my whole journey was the Eucharist, staying with the Eucharist, remaining with the Eucharist. And so here I am in this chapel that was built well before I was even alive on the other side of the world praying. And I just felt coming out of my heart, this prayer of like, Lord, where am I going? Like, what are you calling me to? What am I supposed to do? What's next? Uh, And I just sensed this very specific call to ministry and a very specific place and a very specific way to work for the church. And I I remember thinking, that doesn't make any sense. Well, how could I do that? Me? Like, what would I, what? I, I, it just was without context for me. Um, but within, you know, I just, I could, it was like, it just sparked like the desire was there in my heart. And it was so exciting. The idea that I could be a part of this, that I could be a part of bringing, bringing the truth, um, bringing the person of Christ and the fullness of truth that we have in the Catholic church to, to more people. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And you're from Michigan, right? So I know you're not like directly from Detroit, but you're from the the area, right? I'm from Ann Arbor, towny, very proud. There's not very many of us. Most people in Ann Arbor are transplants, but I am a real person (laughs) from Ann Arbor. That's where I'm from. (laughs) But but now getting to know about Detroit and these other areas. Towny, yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, oh, it's definitely a thing. Yes, (laughs) being a towny. Yes. Um, I'm learning so much already from our (laughs) Encounter Grow Witness podcast. Right. Uh, right. That's great. What about you, though? I mean, how did you come to know Jesus and come to be a priest leading the office for the yeah, archdiocese? So, so I was born a priest. Uh, way, no, yeah, I'm that kidding. makes sense. That, yeah, right. Sometimes, sure sometimes I get the like, man, you you uh, have you always been a priest? And, uh, you know, especially little little kids ask those kinds Aww. of questions. But yeah. I grew up in an awesome, awesome Catholic family. So I'm one of 10 yeah. in my family, grew up in. Sterling Heights, uh, Michigan, one of the big old suburbs we have here in Detroit, in the uh, Archdiocese of Detroit. Uh, Grew up with, uh, as I mentioned, a a whole bunch of siblings and just the faith was, the Catholic faith was the central guiding principle of our family's life. Mm. Like there was no doubt about that. Uh, We would, um, we went to Catholic school, we went to mass every Sunday during uh, time off, like during the summers or when, you know, we were out of school, occasionally yeah. we'd go to math at other times. We went to confession regularly. We'd pray the rosary together every night. So, like, whatever the the image of the uber Catholic family. <laughs> that was um, you. I think we Catholic fit that pretty caps. well. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, what is Jim Gaffigan's line? We were uh, Shia Catholic. What is it? I think oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, we were, we were very Catholic and... Um, you know, so Catholicism, I think, was very much in my blood, in my bones, in, in my life. And uh, so I always had an appreciation for it. But it wasn't until I went to college um, that I really began to ask the questions that, you know, any young adult needs to ask mm-hmm. about their faith. I had kind of received uh, great models from my parents and my family, had uh, a good instruction in uh, Catholic schools and kind of learned um, some of it, but it wasn't until as an adult I started to say, uh, how do I, how do I accept this? How do I receive this, right? Is this something mm. that I'm like caught in the stream of just flowing yeah. in Catholicism or am I like yeah. actively receiving yeah. it and saying this is what I want to do? So, you know, for me, college was a time of three important things. It was asking questions, so learning things about my faith, like digging into questions, Especially at that time, it was lots of things around morality, lots of mm-hmm. things that as a college student, yeah. you know, you think of here are 
ways I want to live my life or ways yeah. I see people living their lives. Mm -hmm. And the church offers a different perspective. And to be able to yeah. ask the question, why? And to dig into the church's teaching on some of these things, that was really important. Um, I met people who were kind of my own age who mm. really loved Jesus. And their witness for me yeah. was so important. It, it was like, it was I, I don't know. You know, it's different when it's your family, right? Than when you meet people who are not your family. Yeah. Uh, so the witness that they had uh, was super helpful. And then I love you talking about the Eucharist because it was, you know, spending time. And I'll tell that story another time. But spending time mm -hmm. in Eucharistic adoration uh, really allowed me to be quiet and to mm -hmm. begin to hear the Lord's voice. And part of that was reading mm -hmm. scripture, as we're going to talk about later today. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was in that silence of Eucharistic adoration where uh, a friendship with Jesus really blossomed in my life mm. and where I could hear his invitation, which was so opposite of how I wanted to live my life. But I could hear his invitation for me to be a priest. Mm. Um, so I am, you know, oftentimes when I go on retreat or when I'm uh, praying that uh, there's a lot of gratitude that comes in my heart for those days. I, it sounds like your experience in Darjeeling. Darjeeling? How yeah. do you say it? Darjeeling. Mm -hmm. Darjeeling. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a little bit about me. And then uh, mm -hmm. I entered seminary right out of college. I was a priest up in Lake Orion for a couple of years and have spent the last number of years working in uh, the Archdiocese of Detroit Central Services and Right now, I get to lead an incredible team of people in the Evangelization yeah. and Missionary Discipleship Office. Uh, so super grateful for that and grateful for the way, you know, I've seen God work in my life and I've seen God work through me. And, you know, mm. one, of the, one of the great joys of ministry, I'm sure you experience this, Beth, is just seeing how God uses us to yeah. bring his truth and his love to yeah. people we meet. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a gift. Yeah. And so one of the yeah. one of the reasons for me, at least I'm stepping, you know, from open door policy into this is because there's so many people who have that experience in ministry and uh, we want to build them up. We want to build up our community of mm -hmm. uh, uh, encounter, grow, witness people who work for the church or who have kind of dedicated a significant amount of their time, talent, um, their efforts for the church. And that's what. Uh, we want to do in this podcast. So, you know, the Unleash the Gospel movement is about building up a community of joyful missionary disciples. Like, that's what yeah, it's all a about. Band. A band. A band. Right? Yeah. Not just often, me, not just you, not just one person alone in a room. A band. That a sounds band. like fun. That <laughs> it sounds <does>. like fun. <laughs> and someone who has no musical instrument or no musical ability like me, I think, you know, <laughs> whether you're playing the kazoo or the triangle or whether you you are kind of like lead guitar, lead right. violin, however right. you think of it, like God's right. got a role for us, for everyone yeah. to be part of this yeah. band. Um, and, you know, the, the people we really want to pour into in this podcast are those who work for the church, those who mm -hmm. are part of... Uh, the Encounter Grow Witness community here in the Archdiocese of Detroit. So I'll talk a little bit about uh, what some of our goals are here. And then, Beth, I'll ask you to share, you know, what your hopes for this podcast yeah. are. Um, well, the first thing we want to do is really, you know, you and I, Beth, and by extension, uh, the wider community, to have meaningful conversations about life and ministry. Mm. Uh, there's so many joys that come with uh, yeah. being in ministry. 
Uh, I know one of the sisters that uh, I got to know very well talked about these as gifts the Lord gives, and we have to spend time to unpack them and appreciate yeah. uh, the joys and the gifts he gives us. Yeah. There's lots of trials and difficulties, uh, yeah. disappointments or discouragement that can come. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, God doesn't want us to sweep those under the rug. He wants yeah. us to really kind of take those to heart and understand um, if he's teaching us something through that or if he wants us to move in some way. So I think mm-hmm. uh, meaningful conversation is so important. Uh, uh, you know, you and I come from different perspectives. I work at the diocese. You work at a parish. Yep. Uh, and so it's good for us to have practical tips about how uh, we can grow as disciples. Because mm-hmm. if we're going to be leaders and God is calling everyone in the Encounter Grow Witness community to, to be leaders, it has to start with our discipleship, right? We can't give what we don't have. That's Yeah, absolutely, right? Yeah, we've got to start in prayer, start in discipleship, or what will we have to give people? Yeah, we're just going to be pouring Emptiness. out. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're going to be miserable <laughs> if <Yeah>. we do that. <laughs> Not only yeah. will, we, will we be ineffective, we'll be miserable. And yeah, as much both as God are noteworthy, w- though, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> both are very noteworthy. As much Miserable as God wants fruitless. us, mm. yeah. Mm. As much as we want to be fruitful, mm. we also want to be united to the Lord, and so yeah. our discipleship uh, is so important that we're kind of constantly going back to the source. Um, yeah. So that our work of ministry, our work of making disciples. So the third point is uh, practical tips for the work of making disciples. You know, it's. Um, it's an art, not a science, right? There's yeah. no instruction manual that right. tells us exactly how to do it. So right. our, well, we got to help each other. It's part of what a disciple is, right? You're not a disciple unless you make disciples. That's literally yeah. what it means to follow Christ. It's to follow Christ and to teach others to follow Christ. It's not complicated and it's not, uh, but it, it's, it's not optional either. It's yeah. part of it. Well, and that leads to the fourth, you know, point or reason for this podcast. One of my hopes is that we can help people understand their call to be part of the Unleash the Gospel movement. Um, this yeah. movement is to be a band, as you emphasized rightly. A band. Mm-hmm. A band joyful of joyful band. missionary right. disciples, right? Yeah. We want to have our discipleship uh, that comes from our relationship with the Lord, and we want to be missionary. We want, we want to go out and share his good news with other people. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, those are kind of the goals I have for yep. our podcast here. What What are your hopes? Yeah, those are good goals. I think my hopes, I'm hopeful that this podcast can be a way for us to walk with one another. Um, and you and I, but also those who are in the fields, right? Those who are working in the vineyard, uh, the laborers out in the vineyard. I think uh, serving in ministry can be hard. As you say, there's these seasons of joy, there's seasons of sorrow, there's just seasons of change, uh, which we can interpret sometimes as sorrow, but that's not necessarily the case. Uh, but I think also, I just, in, in the years I've been in ministry, I've seen so many amazing ministers prioritize serving everyone else and then end up shortchanging themselves when it comes to prayer or rest or family time. But God is not calling us to be exhausted and discouraged. He's calling us to this abundant life. And I've noticed it in myself sometimes when I've worked on a project or a ministry, even even beyond hearing the Lord's quiet voice of like, it's enough, Beth. Stop, Beth. That's enough, Beth. It's good. Yeah. Like, move on, Beth. <laughs> Go home, Beth. When I hear that voice and I even when I ignore it and then on my way home, I'll talk to someone or I'll think about something else 
else and I'll realize how exhausted I am. Yeah. And I'll think, oh, I didn't listen, Lord. I <laughs> didn't listen. You didn't ask this of me, did you? <laughs> I yeah. asked this of myself. So I just, I love the idea of being able to offer some support to those who are working in the fields. I think that the other bit of it that, that I get excited about is that just doing this work and remembering that there are others in the field, that we are not the only laborer. I think that um, Satan really loves to divide and isolate and make people feel alone and think they're alone. And I think that that's how he, 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 he brings a lot of division in our midst. But if you look back in the history of the church, saints had friends who were saints. They were those joyful bands, even if they were small bands of twos or threes or pockets here and there, right? Uh, and I just think that the more that we can do, the more that the Encounter Grow Witness uh, movement and community can do to, to remove sort of those divisions and help us really see that a win for that person is a win for me. And like we're all on this mission together. We bring our unique gifts, our unique strengths. But but there is a mission. <laughs> and we are not alone. Uh, and, and we matter, too. The individual person matters, too. If my heart, if in the ministry that I'm doing, my own heart isn't being drawn closer to the Lord, then my ministry is not bearing fruit. Yeah. Not in the what, way that Christ wants it to bear. What the heck am I doing then, right? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I just I think it can be so, like any work, but it's especially discouraging to see it in uh, in ministry is like, you know, if we get so caught up in tasks and we forget yeah. about, you know, our own need to be united to the Lord and yeah. our own kind of joy and seeing other people grow in that, then yeah. I just think like... Hey, forget about it, right? If this, yeah. if it makes it harder for me, or if it's a stumbling block for me to grow uh, closer to the Lord, uh, I need to change yeah. something. And yeah. uh, you know, I love your point about doing this together. I was um, in this new year. We'll talk about our scripture challenge a little bit later, but started reading scripture from the beginning again, and mm. uh, to see in uh, you know the first the beginning of uh, Genesis to hear God's mm. word to Adam. It's not good for man mm. to be alone. And just yeah. how that hits my heart and how that hits, I think, so many hearts, especially, you know, coming... This moment uh, globally. How, yeah, how <laughs> how deep we are into this pandemic yeah. and just seeing yeah. how isolation has really made it hard for yeah. people to, um, yeah, j just to get through uh, yeah. parts of their lives that... Uh, you know, we need to take up that. We need uh, to be together. Yeah. Yeah. We need to take up that challenge to be in community because yeah. community can be hard because yeah. I don't get to do everything that I want every time I want to do it. That's right. And people will right. annoy you. <laughs> right. They will. That's part of it. Not we're us. All, I mean, all, I mean yeah, I'm, no, I'm not annoying. we don't annoy people, but no. yeah, yeah. You might be a little annoying. I'm not annoying. <laughs> I'm not annoying. Oh, your <laughs> humility is just coming right? through. Right? Isn't it? Yeah. There's so much, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so how iron important it is iron. for us, uh, you know, to keep going back to that theme of being a band of joyful missionary disciples yeah. that God wants us to do it together and to uh, encourage each other when we need it and to challenge each other when yep. we need it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So as we talk about helping people to grow in their discipleship and to be disciple makers, you know, Beth and I, uh, you and I were talking about like, well, what would be a great first topic? And I thought with the uh, this year of scripture, the archbishop releasing a pastoral note on scripture, us really mm -hmm. kind of giving a push. What better topic yeah. could we start with than the yeah. word of God and yeah. um, and why it's so important uh, you know, when I think about scripture, I think about it as um, the way God slowly and steadily teaches us what his voice sounds like. You oh, know, I love that. When, when I started reading scripture, yeah. I was like, 
this teaches me to hear what God sounds yeah. like, right? Like a friend yeah. who you notice on the phone when they call or someone you hear in the other room. Beth, how many kids do you have? Yeah, three. You have three. Three, and yep, seven, six, four. Yeah, little. So, so they're you, little, but I know what they sound like. I can yeah. tell their cry. Someone's coming up from the basement crying. I know which one that is. I know, and I know whether I need to come or whether it'll be fine. I already know. Yeah. You, you know that because you're a mom and you're around them and you've yes. heard it in all different ways. I've listened to their voice that. for years. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what scripture is meant to do. Like teach us what God sounds like, both the yeah. the tone and the kind of things he says. Uh, mm. You know, one of the ways I think of this is when I'm when I get discouraged or when something I when I kind of make a mess, do something wrong and I feel the condemnation. I think this is not what God sounds like, right? Like when God challenges mm-hmm. me and calls me to repentance, yeah. it's not a kind of biting discouragement. And so I hear right. that. I'm like, that's it's not, not God's accusatory. Voice. Yeah. That's the voice yeah. of the accuser. That's the voice of the devil. Yeah. I need to renounce that and turn yeah. to God who is always calling us to be greater, right? It's not like God's yes. just the eternal hug machine. Um, <laughs> he's, he's calling yeah. us to conversion. Conviction is very different. Yeah, but he does it in a different yeah. way. And that's why I think, you know, yeah. scripture is part of uh, any disciple, but especially those of us who kind of speak on behalf of the church, who work for mm-hmm. the church. It's so important that we, we kind of take on uh, a life of reading scripture, um, yeah. th- that we have that in our, yeah. in our lives. Yeah. I had a friend who just, just a couple of days ago we were praying and her prayer was, Lord, help me to hear your voice in the rain and in the storm. And it was just so powerful to hear her praying Mm -hmm. that like that was her prayer, right? A lot of times we think, well, it's just too loud. The world is just too loud or all the things I have to do are too loud or or my crushing crushing isolation is too loud. It's too distracting, right? How can we hear his voice in the midst of all of that? And I think scripture is just a great place to start. You know, one of my favorite quotes from Dave Erboom on the scriptures, for in the sacred books, the father who is in heaven meets his children with great love and speaks with them, right? These Mm -hmm. are the words of God for me, for you, for us, for right now. I I can't tell you how many times I've opened the Bible and just read exactly what I needed, you know, exactly what I needed in exactly the right moment because he's so tender. He loves us so well. Yeah. And it shows the fatherhood of God who wants to speak to his people in all these different circumstances, in all these different ages, even with the different genres of, uh, uh, of scripture, like this might be a little little cornier than uh, we need, but I think about all the dad jokes that uh, dads love to tell and the different yeah. genres that people <laughs> speak in. And I think, you know, scripture has the wisdom of Proverbs. It's got yeah. the history of uh, yeah. the historical books. It's got yeah. Jesus himself in the Gospels. It's got prophetic yeah. language. And yeah. um, so Poetry it's just kind of like all, yeah, all the different ways that we we hear the voice of the Father who wants to speak to us. Mm-hmm. Beth, when did you first start reading the Bible? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we read it as kids, like a little bit at home and stuff. But my real first memory comes in high school. I had a youth minister who really challenged us to read the Bible, and he was like, "You need to be reading the Bible every single day." And um, he was he was a real tough guy. He was like an army guy, and um, so like, we'd come back the next week, and he'd be like, "So how was the week? Like, did you pray the Bible every day? Did you read it?" And I was like, "Uh," and like everyone was avoiding his eye contact. I mean, like, no, we, of course we didn't. We're teenagers, no, we didn't do ministry that. Ministry by intimidation, yeah. right? Yeah, it was very intimidating. But I remember finally 
finally, I, I don't know what it was. I was just the grace of God, but one summer, probably, I don't know, after one of my years of high school, I just said, you know what, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to read the Bible every day. And so I started reading every day and, um, I plowed through a lot of the old Testament and, um, you know, it was just amazing. I think in general, it developed a habit of filling the gaps in my day with the word of God which now I didn't even have a smartphone at the time. So scrolling wasn't an alternative. <laughs> now, <laughs> how many of those gaps in our day do we fill with just that scrolling? But at the time, I think for me in high school, as I started reading the Bible and finding God speaking to me in such specific and personal ways, time and time again, I think it really overwhelmed me with the depth of God, the mystery of God, and just the, and the love of God the love of God. And I know a lot of people get down on the old Testament, seeing God as the angry God who's, you know, destroying people in cities and peoples. And, yeah. and, and I just, I, you know, I mean, of course you have the whole arc of salvation history t to keep in mind, but I, I just saw so much of God's love, um, in the prophecies of Isaiah and there's just all over, there's just good stuff. Yeah. Did it help you grow as a disciple? Did it help <laughs> you kind of like you know, I don't want to use the, the word mature, but I guess I do want yeah. to use that to help you yeah. mature in your discipleship. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I think just starting to think and see things more from God's perspective or reading through Job and, you know, well, where were you when I formed the seas, Job? You're questioning mm -hmm. me and, um, and what I've allowed to happen in your life. But where were you when I formed the stars? Where yeah. were you? And it was just this beautiful moment to be like, oh, gosh, I am so small. But now, now knowing more my identity as a daughter of God, I delight in that littleness. I, I love it. It's awesome to be small. It's great because he is big and he will do it and he is great. So I think just recognizing the greatness of God, um, the intricacy of his plan and how thorough it has been um, and, and my small piece of it. Yeah. Yeah, well, it sounds yeah. like St. Therese is, uh, you know, you're at the right parish there. I'm at the right parish, yeah. <laughs> the littleness, I really, I really dig the littleness yeah. of Therese, yeah. I started reading scripture, I would say, more in college. I don't mm. think I read it at all in high school. Um, mm. You know, I remember as a kid for my first communion, I got one of those uh, picture Bibles that had sure. like a story on one side and a picture yeah. on the other. And right. I'm sure I read that because I like to right. read. But uh, I didn't have a concept of like opening up the Bible to read it yeah. when I was in high school. But yeah. in college, I took a class on uh, sacred scripture. I went to a Catholic uh, school, Catholic uh, college. And, um, you know, I, I found that really helpful. And then I started uh, going to adoration once a week because I was asked to kind of fill a slot and be someone who could, um, you know, consistently be there so that it could be open. They could have adoration because someone has to be present all the time. And mm -hmm. uh, during gaps of... Uh, between falling asleep and uh, doing other homework, I would say, well, maybe I should read a little scripture. Um, and so, you know, I would just kind of bounce around in the in the Bible, didn't really know mm. what I was doing. But I had something similar to you when you talk about uh, um, just feeling like God's closeness or his tenderness mm -hmm. in scripture. Uh, that was, that really came through clearly to me when I read it. Like, I, I don't know, it didn't strike me as reading an ordinary book. It struck me as kind of hearing how God wanted to speak to me. Um, mm. And I was struck by the other, like the characters in Scripture, how they, yeah. how human they are, how fallen, yeah. how flawed they are. Yeah, um, very. How they want to do what's right and they mess up <laughs> or they don't want to do what's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, just kind of seeing the whole, 
I don't know, the, the whole tapestry yeah. of humanity yeah. there. Um, There's room for every character in the story. Yeah, There's room and for I just, too. I, yeah, that's what I felt, like reading about Peter or some of the other apostles mm-hmm. who are like, you know, Lord, psst, okay, can I sit at your right when you go into your kingdom? Like, right, right, you know, as Jesus right. is trying to give this prophecy about his passion right, and right. Um, to Who's see the some of the, yeah, to see some mm-hmm. of the the pettiness of them, um, really helped me see that God is, you know, not looking for these non-human perfection, these angels mm-hmm. uh, to communicate with, but that He wants to speak to me and my mm-hmm. humanity and. And I do think it helped me grow in my discipleship. I, I found it really, um, yeah, really maturing for me as a disciple to see, okay, like God comes into messy situations, right? Yeah. It kind of got me out of the mindset of, okay, God is for church with nice clothes on your best behavior right. in Compare. this kind of Sit Norman still. Rockwell kind of situation. Right, right. Um, and that's not to say God doesn't deserve our best behavior and our right. nice clothes and, right. you know, right. our attempt to be attentive. Right. But, like, God is not in the china cabinet or in the glass case mm. somewhere else. Like, he's mm. in the, he's the in messiness. The yeah. Um, and yeah, and that was well a little bit of a, a mindset shift I had when I started reading scripture more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you, uh, I'll put you yeah. on the spot a little bit. We talked about this, Let's but put it. you yeah. on the spot about, uh, mm-hmm. uh, do you have a resource for better understanding the Bible to, you know, if I'm just starting out or if I've read yeah. it a little bit, like, like what would you offer as a resource to better under, understand the Bible? Yeah, yeah. Since we're talking to um, people who are kind of in the ministry fields, I was in a presentation where a guy was, um, he was presenting the new textbook that he was proposing for our religious formation curriculum. And um, he was he was giving it to us and he said, you know what I would, um, you know, you've got all these references for the catechism, so you know it's there. But, you know, the catechism is a reference book. Nobody's going to read that. So, you know, understanding no one's going to read that, you know, we've kind of like put those things to the side so that, you know, if you ever really want to go and read them, you know. Later, I guess. I mean, you you could, but like, I guess I mean, in theory, your catechist, you could read yeah, it. yeah. I mean, your catechist won't. They won't do that, you know. Um, and I, you know, the, the few of us in the meeting kind of, a few of us kind of looked around at each other, and our eyes got so wide, you know, because I I love the catechism. <laughs> There's great stuff in there. It's so readable. Uh, it yeah, it's not a. It, it, that shouldn't be in the china cabinet. That should be right out on on your desk. But yeah. you know, for me, the catechism was a book that I um, had on my shelf uh, when I was in college and I had been really more rooted in our Protestant, like, like all the, I'd never left the Catholic church. I was raised Catholic, but really fell in love with reading the Bible. And my, my faith kind of, my discipleship habits maybe looked more Protestant. I couldn't really defend or explain the rosary or the saints or those things, but I had a catechism on my shelf. So one day I realized, you know, I I don't really know that much about like the Catholic aspects of my faith. And so I got it out and I started reading from the beginning and the section on scripture is almost almost to the very beginning, speaking about divine revelation. And as I began to read that, I just, it was, it was so overwhelming. It was so beautiful. You know, the church there, the, another quote, the church has always venerated the divine scriptures just as she venerates the body of the Lord. To me, that just like it united all of it together for me. So I would encourage if people haven't read the section in the catechism on the scripture, I think you've got to start there because um, yeah. it, it gives the overview of the scope, the different senses of scripture and what it, what how we under how we came to have the Bible, all of those things. I just think it's a great foundation to, to remind ourselves of or to discover for the first time. So 
it's not super wild and crazy, but I would suggest the catechism because I think it's great. And I think we should be reading it all the time. Well, that's, you know, I, I don't know if you listen to any of Father Mike Schmitz's podcast on yeah. uh, uh, read the Bible in a year, but like, that's what he started out with. I think that was at the end of 2020, you know, like the, yeah. the teaser episode was like, how do we read scripture? How do we do this? Yeah. And he talked about the different senses and I'm like, He's getting this all from the catechism, right? <laughs> right like, like this right, is right. right at the beginning. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would offer something very similar that you've already referenced, yeah. which is Dei Verbum. I mean, mm. the Second Vatican Council is such a treasure trove, especially for people who mm -hmm. work for the church. And uh, I know sometimes people can think like, well, that's what I had to read to get through the class, to get certified <laughs> or to get my degree. Or, you mm. know, you, you can There's think of it as like, like the textbook you had to read. Yeah. Um, but to go back to Dei Verbum, and just like you're saying about the catechism, like, it's really accessible. Like, yeah. Dei Verbum may stretch you a little bit, but that's okay. We should be stretched a little bit, we right? Should. Like, like we God should. is not, again, he's not fourth grade um, <laughs> math, right? Like, like right. where we are in our faith, right. for people listening here, our Encounter Grow Witness community, we want them to be stretched. And, yeah. and this is something that can help us become the disciples and disciple makers we are is by being stretched a little bit. Yep. And I think Dei Verbum is a great way to do that, to kind of exactly like you're saying, understand the senses of scripture and also mm -hmm. understand the um, the tradition the church has had yeah. and how we as Catholics maybe, you know, maybe it hasn't always been the way our Protestant brothers and sisters where it's kind of a devotional to read. Right. Um, right. But it's always been in our our liturgy, and yeah. it's always been in our um, the understanding of the sacraments and everything yeah. we do as the yeah. church has always been kind of you know dripping with yes. scripture. So yes. uh, to read true. it as a Catholic is a, a great way to um, uh, to read De Verbum is a great way to see like okay, this is how I can bring scripture mm -hmm. into uh, into my life more fully. Yep, absolutely. Let's talk about scripture in ministry uh, mm -hmm. as well. Um, you know, how have you used the word of God in, in your work of, uh, of ministry, Beth? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think my favorite moment, if you will, of, of scripture and ministry, uh, I was leading a, an alpha and it was actually a really cool alpha. It was at my last parish and we were actually out at a bar in the community. And so we're out of this bar. There's, you know, it's packed um, and they are showing the alpha video on the big TVs all around. Right. And so there would wow. be a handful of tables of just people just hanging out there and they'd kind of look over and they were kind of like, what's happening there? You know, and it was just a bunch of young, normal looking people <laughs> having food and, and beer and, and watching these great videos and having these great conversations. So anyway, one of the weeks was, um, uh, why and why and how should I read the Bible? That was the question of the week. And so we were kind of talking, there was a video. And then afterwards, one of the, the discussion questions, I just read it off the sheet was, do you see the Bible as God's love letter? That was the question, which the video had proposed that the Bible is God's love letter. And so I just asked the question and there's kind of a lot of quiet, which I've experienced can be common at Alphas, where there's a lot of Catholics. <laughs> that can be a common response to that question. Do you see the Bible as God's crickets. love letter? <laughs> yeah, a lot of crickets. Like, well, it seems nice, and I don't really know. <laughs> but anyway, a woman, she was just awesome. She spoke up, and she was just, she was like exactly the type who would say this. And she just kind of like let her face go into a deep sneer. Uh, just forgive me as I say her initial reaction, right? And she was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> just it's filled with horrible things no I don't see it as God's love letter why and she's like does anyone else 
and then a couple people kind of shared their own thoughts and you know it's an alpha so every perspective is welcome I'm delighted and I always say like the more diverse the perspectives we get at the table the richer our conversation will be so don't hold back and and don't feel like you have to give whatever the churchy answer that's not what this is that's not what alpha is you know so anyway afterwards and I didn't want to push anything but we were friends so afterwards I went around to her and I said can I share one small thing with you? I said, if any passage, this is just my opinion, if any passage was going to convince you that the Bible is a love letter, it would be this one. Can Here, I'm just giving you the Bible. To just read this just to yourself. And she was like, oh, okay, I'll read it. He's like, and she says, hey, everybody, come back. I'm going to read this. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't, you don't have to call everyone back. I, it was just for you. And she's like, oh, no, it's fine. Everybody come back. So everybody obligingly returns, right? And again, we're in a bar. And so she starts reading from Isaiah chapter 43. And it says, um, she says, uh, now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. Now here she starts to choke up and she pauses for a minute and then she keeps reading. And the part the, the very, um, the fourth verse was the last one she read. And it says, because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. I give men in return for you and peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. This is a woman who had had extreme, a lot of suffering, a lot of difficult times in her life. And, uh, and you know, that for her, that sparked a journey. And it was just my simple post alpha proposal that like, hey, this might change your mind. Hey, you might want to take a look at this. You might want to explore this. And, and she's been reading the Bible since. And she said, there's so much comfort in the Bible that I never knew before. And now you can't get her to be quiet when you <laughs> ask that question. Do you see the Bible as a love letter? Um, so I just think little moments like that where we can propose to people. And I, I like to think a lot of times I think in ministry, we'll give people an orange and say, here, this is food. You're going to really love it. And people who have never seen an orange before, they're like, what do I do with that? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I, is that, do I put that on the table? It doesn't look like food, you know? Yeah. There's a peel of the orange for people, you know? So I think a lot of times like sharing a particular word of scripture, a verse from scripture can help people see, oh my gosh, this is food. This is nourishment for, this is for me. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. So that's my favorite story of scripture yeah. ministry because it was just amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And those are the things we need to keep going back to and keep kind yeah. of clinging to and say, okay, God is working. Like this is, God yeah. is doing something, right? And, uh, yeah. um, you know, the one sheep that we're, we're called to seek out and to uh, yeah. help them know God's love. That, that's an awesome story, Beth. Yeah. It was sweet. It was very sweet. But then if I look further back in youth ministry, I was a youth minister for a lot of years and reading just, I really wanted to teach young people to pray with scripture. And so one of the things that we would do is I would give them the Sunday gospel or whatever passage we were looking at that day. And I would just give them the the scripture and I would say, let's just sit and pray with this and reflect. And here are a few questions. Just reflect on these as you pray. And so I, I taught them with whatever passage you're reading in scripture to take three questions to mind. What does this passage reveal to me about God and who he is? Every passage reveals something about God and who he is. What does this passage reveal about me and who I'm called to be? Every passage has something to say about who I'm called to be. And then lastly, what is God saying to me? That's a bold question. What is God saying to me? Did you find that helpful with young people that they were able to yeah. kind of think through those three stages? Go through, yeah. mention that again. Talk about those again. Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, what does this passage reveal about God and who he is? And then what does this passage reveal about me and who I'm called to be and what is God saying to me? I found one really powerful thing is to start meetings like that 
just to begin meetings with praying with scripture and asking those simple questions and then inviting people to share their reflections. But yeah, I think for young people, it gave them kind of um, a structure and a framework to begin looking at like, oh, so when I read scripture, it's supposed to reveal something about God and about me. Oh, I'm a part of this. Yes. Yes. You are a part of this. Yes. And, and those can be different things too, right? Like that, that's yeah. why it, it's so helpful to read a passage of scripture. I love that way of doing it to say, okay, like, what does this say about God? Like, you know, yeah. you think of one of the most classic examples of the prodigal son. Uh, yeah. Gospel. What does it like, say about God? Like, Man. what does this say about God? Yeah. You know, so looking at it from the, from the father's perspective yeah. there. The merciful and, father. <laughs> the merciful father, the father who's willing to humiliate himself by running. Yeah. The father yeah. who is like, you know, I'm sure the older brother is like, why are you giving this dude money? Oh, you yeah. know he's going to blow it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But the father who who is okay with that, who's okay with kind of being taken advantage of to some degree. Yeah. Um, and um, mm-hmm. the father who's even like seeking mm-hmm. out the heart of the older brother when he gets yeah. hard-hearted. Um, yeah. But then, so, so to say like, okay, how can this shape and help me understand uh, who God is? Because... I'm going to get on a hobby horse a little bit here, so hold on. Um, (laughs) I'm holding on. (laughs) But, like, the beauty of being Catholic is it should shape the way we think and believe and see the world. Because the world wants to form us. It wants to shape our our thoughts on what's right right. and what's wrong and And what's important, who I am, you know, like what the meaning of life is. But when I read scripture, my disposition has to be, like, God, show me who you are. Mm-hmm. God, form me. Show me who I am. Yeah. Right? If we're just reading it like we're reading the newspaper, or just reading it to kind of mm. check a box, we're yeah. going to miss something. It's got to have yeah. the disposition uh, as a, uh, a of a disciple or at least someone who's curious and open to say, Lord, show me what life is meant to be. Show me who you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think your questions really get to the heart of that. What does yeah. it say about God? What does yeah. it say about me? And then the third one, what is God saying to me today? Yeah. What is God saying to me? Because God is always speaking, right? He yeah. always speaks. He speaks in every moment. Are we listening? Can we hear him in the rain and the sun and the storm? Can we hear him? Are we listening? Yeah. Yeah. And the word of God is yeah. living and effective. Living right? and effective. Yeah. So it's not just this, you know, uh, manuscript we found, uh, but it's living and effective. It tells us who God yeah. is, tells me my identity. And it yeah. wants to speak to the circumstances of my life. Yes. That's beautiful. You know, when I think of using scripture in, in my own ministry, uh, I think about how helpful it has been. Um, when you talk about uh, opening up uh, the, the, the Sunday gospel or the readings. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, it's so helpful. Uh, one, of the, one of my professors in seminary studied uh, biblical theology which is just a fancy way of saying, like, understanding Very what we books. believe as Catholics <laughs> yeah. in the light of Scripture. And yeah. I find that so helpful. So, like, uh, you know, in Advent and before Advent, when we came back uh, in uh, late summer, fall, I did a long series of preaching on the Mass and mm. just tried to talk about aspects of the Mass in light of Scripture. Like, mm. why do we say, why does the priest get there and say in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, mm. the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and mm. the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all? You know, mm. why doesn't he say, hey, how's everyone doing? <laughs> Hi, y'all. Right. Do you guys have a good Saturday? Right? right. Like, right. Because we're entering into something sacred, and Scripture yeah. forms that. Like, 
We're yeah. baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, because that's those were Scripture. that was Jesus's command that we read mm-hmm. at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah. St. Paul greets the communities, you know, mm-hmm. with the, uh, um, yeah. however I said it, I forget it now. Yeah, with <laughs> those words. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With those, those really words, important words I can't remember now. <laughs> um, uh, the grace yeah. of our Lord Jesus Christ, the yeah. love of God, and the fellowship, fellowship of the Holy of the Spirit. Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. Like like the, these are words that come yeah. to us from Scripture. It's the word yeah. of God. And so we speak them to each other. Um, yeah. So I find like trying to take things that Catholics know and do just mm-hmm. through the ritual of Catholicism yeah. and finding the scriptural depth to it uh, is really helpful for yeah. um, understanding that we're not just making this up or, you know, I'm this isn't something someone thought was cool 200 years ago and you know we're just kind of uh in some archaic language we're speaking yeah. god's words to yeah. each other and we're hearing yeah. god's word from each yeah. other um yeah. so I, I find it very helpful uh to kind of teach out of scripture to make scripture mm. the foundation for how we understand what it means uh for what we do as catholics yeah Got a couple of other questions for you, Beth, as we kind of dig into, you know, doing ministry with scripture. Um, How do you help people understand challenging passages? Mm -hmm. Because you talked about, um, you know, your friend who said, like, there's only, there's horrible Horrible things that happen in scripture. (laughs) Right, right. Like, how do we help people make sense of that? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think just recognizing the content and the unity of the whole, right? I, I once had someone, and this is kind of a simplistic answer, but I had um, someone say, you know, if you find a puzzle piece and you can't figure out where the puzzle piece goes, then you set it down and keep working on the rest of the puzzle. And eventually you'll need that piece to finish it, right? Yeah. Um, so I think in the same way, sometimes we'll come upon a, a difficult passage and we won't maybe understand it. And then backing up to see the whole picture, then you can see it. It's just like a stained glass window, right? If you look up close at it, you might look at the pieces and you're like, why would you put these colors together? They're so ugly, right? Together, up close. Mm. But if you back up, you can see, oh, now I see the whole, now I see the beautiful picture. But I think a lot of, I think uh, in my personal opinion, the problems we get into with difficult passages is that we, we just sit with the questions. And we never mm. seek the answers. Um, my husband is famous. He he's, he loves questions. He's actually the ideal small group member because he'll never <laughs> let it like a trite answer like suffice and like stay. You know, he'll challenge everything. He's always asking more questions. And I yeah. I love questions, but we also have to love answers. You know, so if if you have questions, if you're reading and you're getting into questions, then what will you do with those questions, right? If you just let them sit, then they just slowly mold and erode your confidence and your faith. But there are answers to our questions. I mean, I almost left the faith because I didn't think there were answers to my questions. And then when I really looked and I stacked up my whole list of questions, there were answers for all of them. But we have to actually do the work of looking (laughs) for the answers (laughs) with those difficult passages. Look in the catechism, Catholic Answers, the internet. There's so many great resources right now. Or your director of evangelization and faith formation. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, give her a ring. (laughs) She'd love to help. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're right. Do you know uh, the image Pope Benedict used when he came to the United States? Uh, He spoke at St. Patrick's Mm -hmm. Cathedral. And the stained glass image uh, I like, he talked about the faith. Um, yeah. From the outside, it's like looking at a stained glass window oh, from the outside, yeah. right? Yeah. It's kind of dark or kind of indistinct, yeah. but it's when you come in the church and you see yeah. it that you understand the beauty of it. And he yeah. was talking about that, that like 
certain aspects of the faith or truths of the faith or a relationship with Christ from the outside, you can tell someone like, hey, you really should have a relationship with Jesus. Right. If they don't know what that means, it just looks yeah. like this kind of opaque thing, yeah. right? But when you yeah. come in and you, uh, when you look at it from the inside, when you know what that is, Mm-hmm. That's when you understand the beauty of it. That's when you yeah. say, oh, look at the detail. Look at the care, concern, effort, time, resources yeah. that went into this beautiful stained glass window. Yeah. And I love that image, you know, that if we just ask the questions outside of a piece, uh, a life of faith, mm-hmm. if we ask it, you know, this is one of my favorite things to look at in the last few years. It's been in the Gospels is to see the different way people ask Jesus questions, Mm. right? So Nicodemus Mm -hmm. comes at night and he's like, hey, how can I be born again? I don't get it, right? He asks with earnestness or the rich young man, like, like, what do I have to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? Like there's an earnestness with asking the questions. But then the Pharisees and others come like, and we even hear in the words of the Gospel, they put this question to him to trick him or to trip mm-hmm. him up, right? Is it mm-hmm. lawful for us to pay the census tax? Yep. They're asking a question, not because they honestly want to know the answer, but because right. they're trying to drive a wedge. Right. And I think, I think that can happen when we get to challenging passages of Scripture with uh, Abraham and Isaac or all sorts of other things, especially in the Old Testament. You know, it really matters our disposition. Am I asking to know? Mm-hmm. Am I asking to understand what God is saying about himself and me and my mm-hmm. life right now? Or am I asking to, like, try to let myself off the hook from a life of faith? <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, God's not a fool, right? Like, like God yeah. wants to teach us, but he's not just going. And so Jesus does this in the answer. Like, he doesn't respond to those kinds of questions, mm-hmm. whether it's in front of Herod or Pilate or others. The Pharisees, um, mm-hmm. he just doesn't answer. And so yeah. what the way we get to a true understanding of challenging parts of Scripture is by asking from a place of faith. There are answers. There are answers mm-hmm. to every question. You just have yeah. to look. So thinking through Beth's way of sharing the uh, Scripture, you know, in a ministerial way, teaching mm-hmm. with Scripture by asking, what does Scripture say about God? What does it say about me and what Mm -hmm. is God saying to me today Mm -hmm. through the scripture? I think, you know, one of the things we talked about, Beth, is giving people practical applications, right? Like how they can take this. I think that's a great way to teach scripture or to say, I want to incorporate Mm -hmm. this more throughout this year or throughout my um, whatever, whatever ministry or apostolate you're in. That's great. Um, Absolutely. One of the personal ways I think is great for people to apply this is, uh, um, and shameless plug for Unleash the Gospel here, <laughs> our uh, our scripture reading challenge. Like yeah. we, we did a, a whole bunch of work leading up to this year, knowing that the archbishop wanted to write this pastoral note on the importance of scripture in the life of a disciple, uh, mm-hmm. knowing that uh, this is a year for us, we're really making it a grow year to encourage everyone in the archdiocese and in a particular way those in our encounter grow witness community to read scripture this year to take up Mm -hmm. one of our challenges to join a guild and to either read the four gospels the whole new testament or the whole of the bible Mm -hmm. this year um Mm -hmm. you know the beauty of this challenge is uh i think the gospels are i think there's 79 days to read them 
But the other <laughs> ones, it's 365 days. If you start yep. today, you finish a year from now. That's it doesn't, right. you, you don't have to have right. started on January 1st. So yep. I just want to give a, a big encouragement for people to say, um, to take up this challenge. Uh, it's a great, easy way to invite someone else, maybe someone yeah. who's been away from church a little bit because of the pandemic or someone who, you know, who you know from church, a great way to encourage them to take a step deeper mm -hmm. into their relationship with God because of the way Scripture shapes and molds the way we think and understand mm -hmm. uh, not just our relationship with God, but as you said, Beth, like my life here today. Yeah. Um, and to read Scripture every day uh, begins to kind of shape who you are. It's like going yeah. out in the sun every day. Your complexion's going to change, and especially yes. if you have red hair like me, 10 minutes in the sun and the complexion changes significantly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But just, uh, you know, a little bit of scripture every day, and it's going to start to shape your life as a disciple. So yeah. that's my encouragement. Go to unleashthegospel.org, sign up for the scripture challenge, and begin making scripture a regular part of your life today. Yeah. That sounded like an infomercial there at the end. So. That's great. <laughs> but Let's make an infomercial. <laughs> For we the low, low, low price. <laughs> yeah. right. No, but but we really want to encourage people to sign up for it. So, uh, yeah, um, that's that's our practical application for the personal life to read scripture and join a guild. And for the your life as uh, uh, teaching scripture mm -hmm. in ministry, the three points again, Beth. Three questions. What does this passage reveal about God and who he is? What does this passage reveal about me and who I'm called to be? And what is God saying to me today? Awesome. So we want to, we want to have a segment in our podcast where we take questions from the field. We know that there are lots of questions that people ask. Uh, being our first podcast, we didn't kind of put it out there for people to say, what's your question about scripture you want Beth and I to uh, respond to? Um, but we've both been in ministry long enough to have gotten a ton of questions about scripture. So uh, Beth, what are some of those questions? Yeah, yeah. Here's one to start us off. Uh, where to start reading? Uh, people are always asked this. So I want to read the Bible. I don't have any idea where to start. It's a mm. big book. Where would I begin? What would you yeah. say to that? I would start in Deuteronomy Perfect. or Leviticus. Yes, Leviticus so. would be a really good start. Leviticus, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we tried to lay out in our scripture reading challenge a way to read systematically through the Bible, but we know it can be really challenging, especially the Old Testament, um, that, you know, you get a few days in or you get through the book of Genesis and you get into Exodus, and it can just be a slog in some places because it's written in a way that's hard for our ears to understand. Mm -hmm. So we want to keep people away from being discouraged but still not avoid the whole of Scripture, right? Not just kind of pick and choose the places you like. So the Scripture Reading Challenge has um, a systematic approach through the Old Testament, but each week, each day, I should say, you read a bit from the wisdom literature, which is mm -hmm. the beautiful um, mm -hmm. Scripture in the Psalms, the Proverbs, mm -hmm. Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, and then there's part from the New Testament each day, as well. Um, so my approach would be to take that method of a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the wisdom literature, which is part of the Old Testament, and then part of the New Testament, and kind mm -hmm. of read it in, in pieces like that. Beth, what, what's your advice? 
I think if if you're not if you're not ready to go all in on the reading the yeah. whole Bible in a year challenge, then I would say starting with the Gospels would be a great thing. You know, the Gospels we encounter the person of Christ, so that's why. In the, and of course, we sit to listen to the scripture readings. We stand for the Gospel, right? Because we hear the stories of Christ. So um, I like I, I think any of the Gospels are great. I'm doing the New Testament challenge this year, and so we're we're all we're making our way through Luke, and I am just loving Luke, the Gospel of Luke, even more. Um, I would have I would have maybe picked John as my favorite and the one I would suggest people start with. But I think Luke could be a great place to start, too. So the nice part about Luke is Luke wrote Acts as like volume two. Yeah. So if you want to see if you want to do like the two volume thing to start off, it would be to read Luke and then Acts of the Apostles, because uh, Luke is the author of both of those and kind of wrote them with continuity there. Yep. Yeah. Beth, let me ask you, how Mm -hmm. can I integrate scripture more into my ministry? I've heard that from a number of people who say, you know, what uh, what does it look like for me to Mm -hmm. do this? Mm -hmm. I think first would be like in the way that we're just living as ministers and acting as ministers. I mean, we I know it says in Unleash the Gospel, you know, we don't want to start our meetings with a perfunctory prayer. Um, Father Steve, I think we're still starting our meetings with a perfunctory (laughs) prayer. I think we're still doing that yeah. everywhere. I mean, not just, I'm not just saying here, we have lots of rich prayer here too, but I think it, it's just, it's often overlooked, right? And so I think the more we can lean into praying with scripture together, I think that the more fruitful our ministry will be. And then I would say when, when we're preparing talks, I know many of people will be listing will be catechists and people who are, you know, really teaching the gospel, religion teachers, you know, are instead of paraphrasing the scripture, read the scripture, open your Bible and read the scripture, or instead of reading from a piece of paper or reading it from your phone, a real Bible, (laughs) hold a real Bible, right? You can teach so much just by the way you hold a Bible that we revere this book, that this is God's word. We respect this book. Um, so I think those are just a couple things that come to mind to me off the top of my mind, uh, praying with scripture more together and, and using scripture when we teach and when we share. Yeah, you know, we we haven't even talked about Lectio Divina, which the Archbishop Mm -hmm. holds up as one of the kind of preeminent ways to, uh, for a disciple to to read scripture, to pray with scripture. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that can be so helpful, you know, the the point you've made here about uh, the way God is speaking to each of us today with this word. It's it's often beautiful to hear how, Mm -hmm. like, different people hear a different story. I know on uh, our staff meetings, we rotate through different ways of, of praying. Mm-hmm. And uh, once a month we do Lexio Divina. And mm-hmm. I love to hear how different people identified with mm-hmm. a different character or heard a different word or a different aspect of mm-hmm. the story. So I think uh, integrating scripture can be uh, into your ministry is begin. And it takes an investment of time because you can't do a two minute Lexio Divina, right? Like not you well. got to give it, no, you got to give well. it at least 10 no. minutes. Yeah. Um, so right. to invest in that time and to say, yeah. you know, I know it's going to be difficult if we're used to doing things differently, but um, to take some time of Lexio Divina, because I find my appreciation for people I work with or interact with grows in hearing how, how they're Absolutely. hearing the word of God. I don't enjoy reading scripture. What if yeah. I don't like yeah. it? 
That that's the question that's most frequently asked asked once everyone else has left the room, <laughs> right? Um, like when when now that ever all those other good people are gone and I can just be honest, what if I don't like reading it? Like how do I start? Yeah, and I I think that um, there are people who don't who just don't like reading in general, um, and so that's my next question. Like if someone were to ask me this, I you know I don't like reading it. I would ask, do you enjoy reading in general? And it's surprising to me that oftentimes the answer is yes, I love to read. <laughs> in which case, then just my answer. Not- would be that. like yeah just not that then i would i would like try to get a sense of like where that person's at and maybe make a really specific recommendation of a place to start uh for yeah. them you know maybe acts of the apostles would be a better place to start if someone's coming in with kind of a catholic foundation and worldview then acts of the apostles can really open your heart and open your mind oh my gosh the holy spirit look at look at what the holy spirit did Look at how the Holy Spirit developed and grew the church in these like broken people. Um, so I think it depends on whether or not that person likes to read. And otherwise, I would just say that, you know, sometimes I have to love my husband in a way that I don't love loving him. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to do the dishes or sweep the floor. Um, but when I do it, I grow and I become better and our marriage becomes better. So there are some things that you just have to what is the expression man up and, and, and (laughs) practice and lean into, and then you'll discover the joy in doing them. So, yeah, no, that's good. There is a bit of like, this is what God has given to me. And if I don't, you know, this might sound harsh. So receive this in love people. If I don't like it, there's something wrong with me. (laughs) There's not something wrong with God. Right. So there's something wrong with all of us. We all need to grow and be formed as disciples. So this is not an accusation, but it's just Mm -hmm. a way like exactly like you're saying, right. Um, I need to learn to love uh, in the way that God has, has given himself in the word of God. Now that doesn't mean I have to, you know, um, love it in every single moment, But to make the commitment to say, God has something to say to me here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I really want to be open and try to receive it. I want to be formed by it. Um, You know, I I love your comment about uh, maybe Acts is the place to start. Mm -hmm. I think like the book of Esther, the book of Mm -hmm. Tobit, these Mm -hmm. ones that are kind of short, but it's a story you're reading. um, And it's very clearly a story. Some of those Mm -hmm. can be super helpful in addition to the Gospels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There are lots of other questions that uh, I think we could talk about, but uh, we have gone for a good chunk already here. And I think uh, uh, Ron, our our faithful uh, producer, is ready for us to wrap up. Um, Before we wrap up, Beth, uh, let me ask you, let's kind of wrap up by sharing what's our favorite passage in Scripture. So, Beth, what is your favorite passage in the Word of God? My favorite passage comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 24. Unless a single grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it yields a rich harvest. It's just a verse that I felt the Lord speaking to me when I was in high school. Just I just kept stumbling upon it on accident, um, just when I would open my Bible or go different places. Anytime I looked at the clock, it was always 12, 24, every single time. So I felt, it just felt like a message to the Lord that like, just as I think about my whole life, like, what do you want your life to mean? Do you want your life to mean something? If you want it to mean something, then that means dying to yourself and, and letting me, letting God bring something to life. So that's my verse. What's yours, Father Steve? Let's hear it. Favorite verse. Uh, my favorite verse is from the first letter of John, chapter 4, 10 and 11. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This idea of understanding, you know, love is a word that gets used so often and gets used in so many contexts that uh, to understand in this is love, like the paradigm for love is what God has done for us. And that every other way we think about or talk about or try to express love has to be measured against or related to what God has done for us. And uh, to me, that that is my favorite place to go to in scripture to to just think about what it means to receive that from God and what it means for me to respond to his love. Mm, beautiful. Beth, thanks for this awesome first episode of Encounter Grow Witness, uh, our new podcast. That's right. New podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at egwdetroit.org slash podcast.